What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian. I'll be your host for the show. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find those gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe us on whatever podcast feed you are using. But enough about the show, let's get into our next game. Ganbar Super Strikers is the game for this week's episode. So Ganbar is a tactical soccer sim. Some notable game comparisons. So the developer actually cites the series of games uh, called Captain Tsubasa as a major influence here. And I have not played those games, but I did see some screenshots and check out some gameplay videos. And I can definitely see the inspiration there. But another comparison that I think a lot of people I know might appreciate is that this is essentially Blitzball from Final Fantasy X on a tactical chessboard. So let's get into some release dates. Uh, originally, this was released in July of 2018 on PC, Mac, and Linux. And then in February of 2020, we've got Switch, PS4, and Vita, and Xbox One. This is a cross-buy game for the PlayStation ecosystem on Vita. So if you buy it on PS4, you can play it on Vita. Definitely some interesting things to talk about there. The developer is Reese Games, and Reese Games is one person, one guy who is in Australia. So very cool, very small developer. Um, and I had a very interesting correspondence with this developer. His name is Ruben. He and I went back and forth, and I was really, really appreciative of his candidness. Um, and he talked about some things that I am going to get into, and I made sure to ask if, if that was okay um, in regards to uh, some of the ports. So the publisher here is Radaleka Games. I have no idea if I'm saying that right. But on their website, they have published a lot of indies, some games that I've bought but haven't played, like Even the Ocean and Anodyne, although I only saw Anodyne 2, uh, but I bought the first Anodyne, so I'm not sure if they published the first one. Apparently, as Ruben was telling me, Radaleka Games... Uh, did the PS4 and Vita ports kind of on their own um, because he had access to uh, Switch and Xbox One dev kits, but uh, they kind of ushered him into doing these PS4 and Vita ports, which were a bit out of his control, which we'll talk about in a second. There was a physical Vita Collector's Edition that was released in October of 2020 through Play Asia. So they're another uh, physical games media publisher. Originally, this was launched with an MSRP of $9.99, uh, Runtime for this game, I'm seeing some people say 10 or 12 hours to get through the story mode straight through. I am thinking that's pretty accurate, but I'm seeing some uh, a wide range of things. So I'm going to say somewhere in the 10 to 12 hours just for the story mode. Uh, but there are other modes, so you could put in uh, a lot of hours uh, otherwise. Me, I bought this on sale for $4.99. There was a sale on PSN. I bought it on PS4. And I got the cross-buy on Vita. I've put in somewhere between 
I don't know, maybe six to eight hours. I've played 10 matches, and they do take some time. Uh, there is a Platinum Trophy for PS4 and Vita for our PlayStation listeners. They are separate trophy lists. It's not a shared list. In terms of recommendations, I actually heard about this from a guy named Dustin Furman, who is one of the co-hosts of Sacred Symbols and is actually the executive producer of that whole podcast network. And I actually met Dustin after the Too Many Games convention out in Oaks. They had a meet and greet, so I was able to sit and talk with him. So very nice guy. And he was talking about this a little while back on Sacred Symbols that he was playing it and that it was crossed by on Vita. So I checked it out per his recommendation. Uh, alongside my correspondence with Ruben, we talked a lot about some issues that I was having with the Vita port. So I've been playing this on Vita and we'll get into some of that, but some of the things that he said were very interesting. He definitely recommends that the Vita version is not the best version. And like I talked about before, the PS4 and Vita ports were not made by him. They were kind of made by the publisher, Radalika Games. And he said the Vita version is not the best because the game was not optimized for Vita. And so I was encountering some bugs that were pretty interesting, um, a little frustrating. He did, however, offer me uh, a switch code for my trouble, so I was real appreciative of that. Again, if someone offers me a code or says they're going to give me a free game, I said I would say it, so here it is. I never thought it would happen, but you never know. But it's also interesting about the Vita version because I looked on the publisher's website, Radalika Games, and they actually don't have it listed with a Vita port which is interesting. I don't know if they're trying to deny that or just uh, not draw attention to it, but per what Ruben said, uh, and I'll tell you from firsthand, the Vita version is probably not the best version. All right, let's talk some gameplay here. So as we said before, I like to refer to this as tactical blitz ball. But as Ruben cites, uh, Captain Tsubasa is a major influence. So if you've never heard of those games, maybe you should check those out. So the game has difficulty modes of either normal or easy. I felt that normal was a fairly good challenge. There were a couple times I lost a match. So there are two modes to play the game in. You have arcade mode and story mode. I primarily played in story mode. So the arcade mode, if you go into it, there are three options. You can do a quick match, which is like an exhibition match. You can do a tournament, and you can do a league. And the game is pretty basic in the arcade mode. You're not earning uh, experience points for different uh, players. Uh, I think even the story characters that would be on your team aren't even there. Some of the story characters from some of the other local teams, I think, are there. But there's no real rewards. Uh, you can choose how to play. You can choose 7-on-7 seven seven or 11-on-11. 11 11. You can turn penalties on or off. I think offsides is like the only penalty. And you can turn on extra time, I guess, if you go into overtime if it's tied. Pretty bare bones with the arcade mode if you just want to get a feel for the game. Not really have any attachments. But then you have the story mode. And the way that story mode works, it's like a single game progression. So you are a team that is a local Japanese, I guess, municipality or, or league or local team. And you're progressing one game at a time. It's very Mortal Kombat in that way. 
if you know like from the Game Boy games when you're progressing one person at a time. So you have to beat one team at a time. You don't have to beat them without losing in succession like in Mortal Kombat. Once you beat a team, you can move on to the next one. And then if you lose that game, you can just keep trying until you beat them and then move on. So the way the game progresses, and I don't want to spoil too much, but essentially you're playing a lot of local teams and then eventually you go for the World Cup. As you're playing different local teams in Japan, they're going to have like a character or like a, a captain uh, that's like an NPC that has like special moves that you've never seen before. So I like the way that that sort of progresses. When you start your story mode, you can create your own character and you can mess around with them visually. You can change their hair, the colors of different things, their skin color, their their build, nothing too crazy, but I did enjoy it. It, it was very interesting. I gave my guy a little afro. Uh, before you go into a match, there are three uh, separate things that you can do. You can look at equipment, you can look at your formation, or you can do a tutorial. I found that the tutorial is very helpful. I'm pretty sure it's required to bang through it with the story mode. It doesn't take that long and you can always jump back to it. When you look at your formations, it depends on whether you're looking at the National Cup or the World Cup. You can't get to the World Cup until you beat all the national teams in story mode. But once you do, you can look at your formation in either of the, those modes. So the National Cup is with all the local teams, that's gonna be seven on seven. And then when you get to the World Cup, it's 11 on 11. So you can change sort of who's playing or who's at what position. You can look at the different formations. So you can look at like three, two, one or three, one, two, but 11 has a couple different formations, three, four, three, or I can't think of all of them off the top of my head, but you can switch how your team forms. Then there are player stats. So you can look at all of your players the stats that you will see, first of all, every player has AP and SP. AP, I'm assuming, is ability points. And SP, I would say, is stamina points. So SP would be more like hit points. But each character then has six stats that will be constantly used throughout the game to compare. So you have save, pass, shoot, tackle, dribble, and block. And these can be increased as they level up in story mode. Each character can level up. And these stats can go up, or you can have them wear equipment, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And you also have your bench, so players on your bench that you can swap in and out. And you have reserves. So there are abilities and there are moves that you can perform, and you can learn them from your equipment, which we'll talk about in a second. And this is very Final Fantasy IX, which is interesting because we've got a little Final Fantasy X and a little Final Fantasy IX, uh, where you equip something and then you hang on to it for a certain amount of time. It's also very, just Final Fantasy in general, I think maybe four or six, uh, they do this as well. And then once you learn it off of that weapon or that equipment, you don't have to have it anymore to use that ability. So let's jump right into the equipment then. Equipment you'll get constantly in story mode from winning matches. And if you look at each match before you jump in, there are a couple objectives that you can do. So it's always gonna be one of them is win the game. But you might have other ones like score three or more goals or don't let the opponent score. And if you do those other things, you can get extra items. So when it comes to equipment for each of your players, there are two slots that you can put something in. There's boots and there's gloves. You can either equip something that gives you a stat boost, like plus five to tackle, or an ability that will take time to learn. And it says TP, so it'll say like zero out of 15 or zero out of 20 TP. 
as you're playing matches wearing that equipment, if you get enough of the points to learn that particular skill, then you would learn it and then you can unequip it and kind of push it on to someone else. And so that is a source of frustration in my opinion because I find that the equipment information menus, they're a bit clunky. I wish that there was an easier way to sift through all of this stuff like with just with tabs. Um, and even if you go into equipment and try to equip something on someone, you can't even cycle through players. And I find this very frustrating. It takes away some of the joy of trying to get people to learn different abilities because you have to go in the menu, uh, equip something to a player, and then if they have finished something, you need to take it off of them. But then you need to figure out if you don't remember their name. It can just get very muddled. And, you know, I, I wasn't tracking uh, abilities as much as I wanted to. So speaking of abilities, this is where the comparison uh, to Blitzball really comes in. So you'll have things like Quiet Pass or Drowsy Pass or Naked Pass. And you'll also have the tackle versions of them and sometimes the shot ver versions of them. So this is very much uh, Blitzball because like Drowsy would be like the nap pass and the nap tackle. When you're in a match, uh, there are turns. So it alternates between you and the opposing team. But on your turn, you can move and act all your players. So you can position them. Uh, you can move them around. You can pass the ball around. And then you will end your turn and then it'll go to the other person, but you end your turn manually. However, if you lose the ball, if the other team takes the ball from you for whatever reason, uh, it will automatically switch turns. The game progresses in time, and so each half is 20 minutes, and each turn is one minute. So once you complete your turn, a minute ticks down. Each player has actions that they can perform. So if you go around with the cursor and click on a player, there will be two soccer balls above them and that indicates that they have two actions that they can perform. But they can also do a tackle action. This is kind of like a bonus action, like in D&D. &D. This whole setup is very D&D, &D, but the tackle action is interesting because you can only do it on defense and you can only have one of your players use the tackle action for your entire turn. So you need to ration that if you're close to somebody and you have a couple defenders that could tackle them and possibly steal the ball, you want to have the player that has the higher tackle stat to do it because you can't do it twice in the same turn. What consists of actions for each player is moving within a certain amount of space. So it, when you click on them, um, it'll show up, a, a grid will show up for how far they can move. Uh, you can pass or you can shoot. So those all constitute as one action. So you can move twice, kind of like a dash action, but that player can then not do anything else. And in terms of strategy, you have to be mindful. So like if you have a player that you want to pass to and have them shoot, and they only have one action left and they're not that close to the goal, you're not going to be able to move and shoot in that turn. So you need to really strategize there. When you go to do something like pass or shoot, it's going to deteriorate as it moves. So you have a certain limit for how far you can pass, but you want to be mindful that it doesn't go to zero by the time it gets to your other player. Because if you pass it and it gets to zero by the time it gets to your other player, uh, it'll be like a loose ball. And you can go over and pick it up. You have to actually get a player to land on the spot where the ball is. Passes and shots will deteriorate by 10 per each space that they pass. So just be mindful of that. Whenever you choose an action like pass or shoot, the stat is going to do a roulette. So it's not a straight stat. 
So again, a Blitzball comparison, if you know the sphere shot in Blitzball, how when you choose it, it'll like run up and down and it'll pick a number. Every stat in this game does that. So if I'm going to pass, it'll it'll do a roulette. Also, when you go to choose pass and uh, or shot, it'll give you a percent of success. And it'll also kind of display who is around you. So if you have the ball on one player and you click that player, it'll display different percentages of if you passed it to any of these people, what is the chance of it? And even it even goes a step further. So like if you map out where you might move that player, it will change the percentages. And the same goes for if you move players around a player with the ball. It'll say like, if you're here, oh, you have a lower chance. And so you can map out strategically where would be the best place to move and really get used to sort of the limitations or the best paths to pass and shoot in. Overall view, it is an isometric camera. It's very straight away if you leave it the way it is, but you can move it at like a 45 degree angle or maybe it's a 90 degree. Uh, but that camera reminds me of Harvest Moon 64, how you can view the game differently no matter what. So you can change the camera, but it's looking kind of top down. And of course, if you're taking your turn and moving your players and trying to pass, um, you're bound to have enemy run-ins. And the way that this works is you will have your pass. And if you're going to pass it to someone, as soon as you choose pass, it'll do its roulette and then it'll put up the your final pass stat number. And then as soon as it comes into contact with another player... It'll, rall- it'll roulette their stat. So if you're passing, it'll probably be their block stat. When it arrives, you'll have a comparison, and then the higher one will win. So if the block is higher, they'll steal the ball. If the pass is higher, the pass will still go through. Different stats will constantly be combating. Shoot and save will be combating. Also shoot and block if you're shooting it over a, a defender and then trying to get to the goal. Pass and block, and then tackle and dribble. So no matter what side of it you're on, those are the stats that are going to be comparing. You will get a notification when you're trying to map out where, who you're passing it to. Like you will see on the uh, screen like a red X over a defender. That means that they're going to contest it or you're going to have to deal with them. Like if you're passing to one of your players and you see that where they are and where you're aiming for, it turns a defender uh, into a red X, you might want to try a different route. And that'll be calculated into the percent uh, success chance there and when you add abilities on top of that that of course can also change the success uh, chance so if you're trying to shoot and the percentage of it making it in is like 40 or 50 when you choose one of your special skills it'll up the percentages as you up your stat also with abilities you can inflict status effects if you're doing like a drowsy pass and someone is trying to block it and their block is lower than your pass uh, it may automatically go to them getting drowsy, uh, but I, it doesn't happen every time, I don't think. Um, moving the cursor towards each player can sometimes be annoying. You can cycle through players, uh, like on the Vita, I press the R and L bars, but it's just kind of slow. Now, again, that could be me on the Vita and how the game's not optimized for Vita, but just be aware of that, maybe try that out. And I think it also huffs and puffs more with the 11 on 11 mode. Um, so just cycling through the menu, the different actions you can do, sometimes it can be a little cumbersome. Also, you can't see enemy stats. I don't know if that's particularly a negative thing. That might be uh, an interesting uh, design because you can find out as you interact with enemies, but it might be a little 
It might be a little cheap if you could see all the enemy stats and just kind of plan out how you're going to go. In terms of strategy, conserving SP and AP is something that I'm finding as I'm getting uh, more through the game. If you really tax somebody and have them shoot, like if you're specializing with one shooter, when it comes to the second half, they're going to be gassed. So try to conserve SP. And also, you can sub halftime, so that's very Final Fantasy, like wanting your bench to be leveled up as well, so getting them to play in so that you can sub them in and, and not uh, fall off. All right, let's get into the vibe of this game. So let's start with visuals. Uh, this is very manga and anime uh, with the way the characters look, uh, how you create them. I think most of them don't even show a mouth. It's pretty colorful. It's simple, stylized, maybe a bit like 2D cell shaded almost. The NPCs do have some unique features. Someone might have crazy devil hair or like an eye patch or like a bandana. I would think that it would be pretty cool if you could add special accessories to your character. There are also going to be cutscenes during the game. So if there are player run-ins where somebody is throw, like throwing a, a drowsy pass a quiet tackle or something like that, you will see them kind of interact and come together in like a, a little anime cutscene. It's pretty cool. Um, and it'll like, they'll come together and they'll smash together and then whoever wins will take the ball in their direction. In terms of sound, I like the music. It's very simple. It kind of gets you in the mood. Um, it can get stuck in your head, which I think is cool um, because I, I think it's generally like, you know, very get up and go. Um, there's only five tracks in the whole uh, game, so I'm, I'm playing them here. Uh, and there's also some sound effects that I think are pretty cool, like when somebody takes a ball, there's like a little... In terms of the story, I like the NPCs on the different Japanese teams kind of talking smack back and forth. Again, I don't want to spoil too much, but basically when the National Cup is over, you have the World Cup, so all the Japanese players come together. And I think this is... Something that uh, is very Japanese, your enemy, then you have to work together with. And in my correspondence with Ruben, he felt the same way, and I think that's uh, something that's very cool. Um, I think that's something that is also going on in Captain Tsubasa. Alright, let's wrap up the conversation on Ganbar Super Strikers. So this game is not perfect, I'm going to tell you flat out. There is some clunkiness with the menus, with selecting things, uh, not being able to quickly sift through your players and change equipment. I feel like that could have been designed better with just one menu and a bunch of different tabs. And the same goes for when you're selecting to do a pass or a shot. And of course, the issues that I'm encountering with the Vita. Um, I know that's Vita-specific, as it seems. I have not played the Switch version. I would like to, but I think the slow movement of the cursor might be the case. When your enemy is taking their turn and they're strategizing, it's going to say thinking dot 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 in like the bottom left corner. It's kind of like a loading screen. But what happens on the Vita is the thinking indication will come up and then it'll stay there for a minute. And what Ruben told me is that the game was kind of meant to have a fail-safe in place where if thinking goes on for longer than a minute, uh, they'll automatically end their turn. And so the game is not optimized for the Vita. 
Um, when you get to the World Cup on the enemy's turn after a certain point, they're always just going to be thinking and then end their turn. So I was a little upset about that uh, because I did want to get the Platinum Trophy on Vita, and now I feel like it's kind of a cheap way to get a Platinum because I could easily just run up and score and score and score, and they're not going to come at me. Despite all that, I like this game. It's fun and it's simple. Um, if you're looking for some extensive tactical game or, or anything like that, it's not this. This is very simple. Um, if you do like Blitzball, this could be something that you would enjoy. I like this game. I don't love it. I think this game is perfect in a handheld. Like right before bedtime, I like playing a match or two. I think there's nothing wrong with that being the case. This is not going to win like a best story award or, or anything like that. I think it's a good $5 game. And it's interesting because Ruben agrees with that. He said um, if he had to make some changes, he might cut out the 11 on 11 uh, and put it at a better price point. And I think this is a solid $5 game. That pretty much wraps up the conversation on Ganbar Super Strikers. And that'll wrap up this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.